Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey all you heroes, hawks, heralds, crows, pirates, and wardens. Welcome to the Dragon Age Lorecast, where we unpack, discuss, and galaxy brain about all the lore behind the Dragon Age series. We are so excited to bring you this podcast. Every episode, we'll be talking about a different topic in the Dragon Age universe. From character deep dives to exalted marches and elven gods, we will cover it all. There will be spoilers. And always remember, swooping is bad. Hello and welcome to the Dragon Age Lorecast, where we talk about Dragon Age and its lore. I am one of your hosts, Austin, also known as Teacup. And I'm your other host, Shelby or Sheacup. And we're back. More Elven Gods, the Evaneris. And today, you probably guessed it, since last week we talked about Elgernon, we're probably going somewhere you would expect. Yeah, we're talking about Mithal, an amazing, very important character. Um that is just like one of the most important characters in all of Dragon Age. I know that we've already talked about Flemeth. Um, Saria Lou was on that episode. It was an amazing one. We did it like a year ago or so. So go check that one out first. Um, and you can learn everything about Flemeth and then come back to this one and learn everything about Mythal. So for this purpose, we are talking about Mythal, not Mythal. Yes, we're not talking about anything Flemeth related um, until obviously, like, we'll have to mention like Flemeth, Mythal inhabits Flemeth, like, and we'll talk about that at the end. But we're not getting into lore, anything like that uh, behind Flemeth and Mythal, frankly, because we just don't have the information. Like, we don't know how it happened. We don't know all the information because, well, when you meet Flemeth, she is notably reserved uh and w- not forthcoming with information so we just don't know all the information and and maybe one day when we get it if we get it we can do a follow-up episode and we'll just have a trifecta of episodes mm-hmm. all right well are you ready to to dive right in i am all right well let's get into these trivia facts so the first thing um that's interesting is that 
Mythal's Well of Sorrows, which is a major plot point in Inquisition, as we are aware, um, that Well of Sorrows knows the secret greeting of Fenharel, which I think suggests that Mythal and Fenharel were friends and perhaps are even very close, intimate friends that they would would have those kinds of secrets with them. Um, How do we know that? We know that because the Inquisitor um, basically tells you in Inquisition um, if they were chosen, if they drank from the Well of Sorrows, basically. Um, They have that information and share it in, I think, in ambient dialogue. So that is how we know that information. That's cool. So another fun trivia fact is that Mythal can turn into a high dragon, which... Obviously, I think we all already know. Um, But my question here is, I just wonder if this is something Mythal knew, if this is something all the Evanuris had, or like where this came from, because we don't really see this uh, in any other magic user, any other mage in Thetis. Like, I mean, yes, Morrigan technically, but only because... She's connected to Flemethal. So I don't know. I'm just curious more about the dragon shape-shifting everything. It honestly leaves a lot of questions about these connections. And obviously the old gods of Tevinthera have strong connections to dragons. And seemingly there was that codex entry from Elgernon that very much sounded like a dragon. A winged death i think is the phrase that it used in the codex entry so i mean there's a lot pointing that the other evanurists maybe could have but if they could do that one solace is really holding back and two i don't know i just think that we would see more it's be harder to erase that information even with the like erasure that happens with the elves and dalish with their culture of like, oh yeah, they could turn into dragons. Fair. Um, yeah, I just I, I just don't think we know. So um the next fun fact that I have is that according to Dalish legends, um, they claim and believe that Mythal created the moon as a counterpart to Elgernon's son, which I find so interesting because, like, of course. The sun and moon, like you have to have that creation myth, which we talked a lot about last week. Um, But it's just interesting to me uh, because it seems like there's a lot of there's a lot of lore pieces that come as like reactions to or as additions to. And this is one of them. Um, And then my last fun fact or trivia uh, tidbit is that there is a potion in Dragon Age 2 that allows you to fully revive your party members within six meters of you with full health and full mana and this potion is called Mythal's Favor. It's a really great potion if you've never used it. Just FYI. Alright. Um, are we ready to get into the general bio? Let's do it. Alright. So, you know, we talked a lot about Elgernon last week having a ton of names and Mythal, interestingly enough, does not have as many. So the names we have for Mythal are Protector, All Mother, and Goddess of Love. 
which I find very interesting. Protector, obviously, because she is a protector of the elves. And she is the one, which we'll get into later, she is the one that deals out justice. Um, and all father or all mother, I find very interesting because of the connection to all father with Elgernon. We have Mithal and Elgernon very much creating a duo. They are the top. They are the heads. They are the king and the queen. Um, I wouldn't even go so far as to say president and vice president like they are at the top equals with one another um and then mythal is also the patron god of motherhood and justice she's associated with water dragons and the constellation salentir this constellation is seen as someone who is looking down on a dragon in flight or as a man carrying a horn and a wand some believe that it was actually originally a depiction of mythal herself but we'll never really know so let's talk about some roles and relationships within the Evaneris. Obviously, I just kind of mentioned um, that her and Elgernon are at the tippity top, um, but she was originally seen as, and a little bit debated, was literally the mother of everyone. Um, her and Elgernon, they rule the group together. We know this. She was very protective, fierce, yet loving at the same time. So we see this nature repeatedly, actually, in stories we have where Mithal is correcting the behavior of the other gods. So I have a few examples and a few stories here to share. The first one is that Falandin and Elgernon found themselves one day in an especially heated argument. Mithal diffused this situation by suggesting that they appoint their knights to battle in their stead instead of Falandin and Elgernon actually duking it out themselves, which basically avoided a civil war amongst the gods. My second uh, fact here, my second story, is that when Andriel had gone crazy, had gone mad, after hunting in the void, Mithal took the form of a great serpent and waited for Andriel at the base of a mountain. They fought for three days and three nights until Mithal sapped Andriel's strength with magic and stole her knowledge of how Andriel could find the void. And then the last story I have that goes along with this idea about Mithal is that Falandin was waging war to amass and increase his number of followers. And so when he was doing this, Mithal rallied all of the other gods against him. And the only reason that he surrendered in, in any way is because they finally breached his temple and fought him there. And basically he was forced to surrender or be killed. Um, so we have several varying kinds of stories, um, varying levels of severity of punishment among the gods, but we have three very different stories about how Mithal is the one who corrects uh, errant behavior, who doles out consequences, and who is very much that motherly figure. I think it's interesting because, and I don't know really if you, I know we wanted to kind of avoid fan theories, but there's a very interesting fan theory um, in regards to Mithal and the Chantry. And I just want to, you know, state like, yes, this is a fan theory. This is not canon. We're not saying this is factual information. This is a fan theory that people present. And the theory is that Flemeth is not the first 
host for the spirit of Mythal. And that the first host was, in fact, Andraste. Yes. And I just think that it's very, like, the way the way Andraste's story goes very much fills kind of with this same kind of thing going on. Like, yeah, she goes, you know, Tevinter starts enslaving it, so... Andraste rallies the people of what would be Ferelden and Orle, and they lead a rebellion against Tevinter, and they're almost successful. It's literally her death is what stops it. Right. Yes. And I mean, I think that it's very likely that that is more than just fan theory um, because humans die, you know, um, but we just don't know the facts. So mm-hmm. at, at currently that is technically a fan theory. So moving on a little bit, because Mithal was one of the two rulers of the Evanuris along with Elgernon, she did have immense power. Um, as you could probably guess, we know that the Evanuris enslaved a lot of elves into their services. And Mithal is actually no exception to that. You might think, Oh, she's the one concerned with justice. She's uh, the one that's loving. No, she also enslaved people. No one is innocent here. No one, none of these gods are unproblematic. Like just, they are not. Um, Mithal, the best of them still enslaved people. So take that for what you will. Um, she not only used Valisline, but also the priests who worshipped her, they did enslave other elves via the Well of Sorrows. So in a way, she maybe enslaved more people than some of the other Evanuris did. And as we know from Inquisition, those who drink from the well gain infinite knowledge, but are bound forever to her service. Um, and like I've already kind of mentioned before, ancient elves did petition Mythal on issues of justice, which means that um, they would come to her basically to dispense justice, as you would a judge in a court. Um, the legends say that those who came to her with clear minds and open hearts were granted judgments in their favor as well as protection. However, those who were Mithal's enemies never received a moment of reprieve. Her justice and righteousness hunted her enemies down until their end of days. Those who tried to manipulate Mithal for petty or unjust reasons were very, very quickly struck down. And um, lastly, just to mention the codex, we get some pretty clear information about exactly how Mithal was a judge for the elven people in a codex entry titled The Judgment of Mithal. And so I just want to read a little bit of this codex. And this is what it says. Whenever one of the people wronged one another, they would not call on Elgernon to avenge them, for his fury would destroy all it touched. Mithal saw this bring strife among the people and went to Elgernon. She offered to deliver justice when the people warred amongst themselves. Elgernon saw her wisdom and agreed, binding all to abide by her verdicts. Some petitioning Mithal for justice hid their jealousy, accusing those who had done them no wrong. She saw their lies and struck them down. Others petitioning Mithal for justice burned with wrath for imagined slights. She saw their weak hearts and struck them down. 
Those coming to her with clear minds and open hearts were granted judgment and protection, and Mithal harried their enemies until the end of their days. That is the end of the Codex quote. And um, Austin, do you have any thoughts you want to share so far? Um, this is kind of funny and not serious at lore, or lore at all. Um, the uh, clear minds, open hearts, 100% gives me clear eyes, full hearts. Can't, can't lose. lose. Yeah, for sure. Friday Night Lights vibes there. I wonder if the Codex author was like watching that show when they wrote this. Entirely possible. Um, but yes. So I think this is interesting because it is such a fine line, right, between justice and vengeance, which we discussed last week. But it's it's also more than that because it is it is it's admirable, I think. Um because like in our society, so often our justice system turns into whomever has, you know, the most money to get the best lawyer or you just roll the dice on what judge you get and whether or not they're going to be favorable to your situation. Like so much of it is left up to chance or left up to situations that are out of your circumstances, things you can't control. Whereas here in ancient Elvenon, ancient Arlathan, it's very much about your heart, um, very mm -hmm. much about what actually happened. And I, I think that if, if someone wronged someone else and you had to go before Mathal and you were the person, you were the offender. And I think if you went before her with like a clear heart, um, a clear mind and, a, and an open heart and like asked, basically begged for um, forgiveness and repented, like, I do feel like she would be more lenient on you than someone who's like, I didn't do anything wrong or someone that tried to manipulate her. So I think that in a way, this is like something we want to aspire to, something we want to live up to um, in our world. Right. And I'm reminded of this whole codex gives very vibes of like the story from the Bible about the wisdom of Solomon, which is where the two women are arguing who's the real mother of the baby. And Solomon's example is to cut the baby in half. Um, and you can read that at face value and just go with that and be like, oh, that's a weird story, whatever. But what Solomon is really saying is like, are you willing to fight this much that the only person who's going to be hurt in this is this child? Um, yeah, and to to fill your own thing, and so it's that's the wisdom, and it is realizing what's really going on. And I feel like this gives that about her seeing through. Like Mithal was not someone who could be manipulated; she was not someone you could lie to. And so, very much, which I see that kind of justice in there, um, valuing what's right over what is fair, necessarily, even then. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like the the conversation about what's equitable versus what's equal. Mm -hmm. um, it's, a, it's a big nuance there. But back to going back to um, just kind of the rest of this Mythal judgment thing. So there are a couple exceptions. And I think most notably is that the people who were truly evil and truly blasphemous, those she let Elgernon judge. And so I think that we see like those perhaps are kind of the two biggest offenses, um, evil and blasphemy, which is 
pretty common throughout literature, fantasy, whatever. Um, so Elgernon judges those, which is pretty much a certain, like, certain death sentence when it comes to Elgernon. Um, but lastly, the last thing I want to talk about with Mithal in relation to the Evanuris is that her status as their beloved mother it doesn't last forever. Um, the other gods, they lusted for power so much that they would eventually kill her. And she was she was betrayed by them. And they destroyed her temple that we find in the Arbor Wilds. And so this is the final straw for the Dreadwolf. And it's it's basically what leads to then Harrell banishing the Evanuris. And so their, their killing, their murder of Mithal is like the thing that sets everything with Solus into motion. And so this is important to remember. Her death is not, or her killing is not the, the death of her. It's not the end of her story, which we'll get into at the very end. Um, but that is kind of how she falls from grace, so to speak, amongst the Evanuris. I think this whole relationship is so interesting, especially when we're just going to hit on this. We can't really talk about Mithal and Elgernon without talking about the relationship between vengeance and justice. And again, the ideals, not the actual spirit that inhabits Anders. And so, but it's interesting to me, like this idea of in the elven culture, there is both room for some things are black and white in morality. Some things are evil and blasphemous and have to be judged with vengeance. But it's also leaving room for a gray morality of some things can be gray. Some things can live in this. It's not as clear. And we have Mythal to deliver judgment and justice into that. And I just think that's so interesting because in op- opposition to the other religions around Thetis, particularly I'm thinking of the Chantry and the Shaperit. It's like, no, there is, here is the list of what's right. Here is the list of what's wrong. The end. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. So just moving on a little bit into her temples, I think out of all of the elven gods, we have the most surviving temples remaining to Mithal, which is hilarious seeing as how the Avenirus tried to kill her and erase her from existence. We, we know the most about her temples. So we have the altar to Mithal at Sundermount, which is outside of Kirkwall. Um, we have the Well of Sorrows, which is located in the Arbor Wilds. We have the Temple of Mithal, which is also located in the Arbor Wilds. And then lastly, we have the Altar of Mithal, which is also located in the Arbor Wilds. So we have a lot of things uh, in in Mithal's honor in the Arbor Wilds, but we also have the Altar at Sundermount. So there, there are just a lot that we have of her. And then um, just lastly, before we get into our mid-break and then Dalish folklore, is the Valisleen. So the Valisleen to Mithal are very floral. It, this one's my favorite. I just think it's so pretty. Um, the complex version looks like tree branches that begin at the nose, extending around the eyes, eyebrows, and all over the forehead. And then the simple version looks like a single branch under each eye, and then it extends all the way back toward the ears. And 
And so that's uh, that's what her Valiseline look like. And so unless you have any thoughts about anything that we have shared in this first half, we will get into the mid-break and then the second half. Let's just go on to the mid-break. I don't think I have anything. So you like to read. What's wrong with that? It's frivolous. There are more important things for me to do. That's just her favorite. Nobody asked you to winter. <laughs> I couldn't finish the last one you lent me. I actually feel dumber for having tried. It's literature. Smutty literature. Whatever you do, don't tell Varric. Mm, no offense, but might I try? I've got a quick hand, after all. Ha, let's see. Oh, when was the last time I slipped my hand into some dark hole? Hmm. I remember a long story, that. You hurt my head sometimes, Solus. Yes. I have been known to do that. So, welcome to the middle of the show, where we take time to thank our patrons. Thank you so much to all of our patrons and everyone who supports us. On Patreon, thank you to our first patrons, Genesis and Lisa M. And a very special thank you to our Nug King, Lewis H. You can also join us on Discord and come and hang out. If you join us on Patreon, you get special Discord roles there and merch. But you can come hang out with us for free on the Discord. Talk to us. Talk about the internet. Um, we just got Baldur's Gate 3 because it came to Xbox as of yesterday at the game awards and so we're going to be playing baldur's gate 3 or as i call it drag the new dragon age game and so come join in the discord to maybe get updates of our experience and our thoughts on all of the things going on though i'm pretty sure shelby has already done extensive research and knows everything about baldur's gate I do not know everything about Baldur's Gate, just to correct your assumptions a little bit. I have um, inhaled some spoilers from people who've been talking about it for the past three months, but I do already know who I'm going to romance. I do not know what class I'm going to make. I do know that I'm going to be a girl. Um, that's about it. So, correction. Thank you. Okay. Uh but yeah, come hang out with us on Discord. Other than that, you can leave us ratings or reviews on Apple or Spotify. And if you leave us five stars and a kind comment or comments, we'll read it out on a future episode of the show. We do not have any to read out. So come on. If you haven't reviewed or you just want to say something or on Spotify, if you just have a question like, hey, I was listening and I thought this, put it in there along with your rating and we'll read it out and maybe answer it. Or... Spoiler, disclaimer, we might not know either. So, but that's it. Um, That's all I got. So I'm ready to get back into it. All right. Well, let's get back into it. Abominations are always so awkward at family reunions. Have you ever seen an abomination? They are ugly. Dorian, those words you say, what do they mean? What, you mean like mendicant? Ultimatum? No arse when you're mad. Vishanti Kofas. You're swearing, I know it. Vishanti Kofas. It's Tavine, relics of the old tongue. We still use the colourful phrases. And it means what? Literally, you shit on my tongue. <laughs> oh 
you fear barbarians will swoop down upon you. Yes, swooping is bad. Okay, so let's talk about the Dalish because, like, obviously, obviously, right? I think of all the Elven gods, Mythal is probably the most revered in Dalish culture. Um, I, I just say that based on the literature and codex that we have, not because anyone in game or externally has ever told me, oh, this is the one they revere the most. I'm just drawing those conclusions for myself. But the Dalish do associate Mythal with some interesting things. Um they see her very much and associate her with water because they believe that she was born of the sea. And it's a really interesting parallel to Elgernon's association with the sun. And so we have a codex entry that addresses this. It's called Mythal, the great protector. And so as a reminder, basically Elgernon defeats his father, who is the sun um, and then Elgernon's mother, who was the earth, knew that like the world could not continue to exist without the sun and that everything would die. And so she told this to Elgernon. He refused to release his father. It's dramatic. And then the codex says this. It was at this moment that Mithal walked out of the sea of the earth's tears and onto the land. She placed her hand on Elgernon's brow, and at her touch, he grew calm and knew that his anger had led him astray. Humbled, Elgernon went to the place where the sun was buried and spoke to him. Elgernon said he would release the sun if the sun promised to be gentle and to return to the earth each night. The sun, feeling remorse at what he had done, agreed. And so the sun rose again in the sky and shone his golden light upon the earth. Elgernon and Mithal, with the help of the earth and the sun, brought back to life all the wondrous things that the sun had destroyed, and they grew and thrived. And that night, when the sun had gone to sleep, Mithal gathered the glowing earth around his bed and formed it into a sphere to be placed in the sky, a pale reflection of the sun's true glory." So in this codex, at that last part, that is her creation of the moon that I mentioned earlier. And we see she's created by the sea. She's associated with water. And that makes sense because, of course, the, the moon is ruled by the tides of the earth. So lots of lots of things. Go ahead. Oh, there are lots of just kind of piecemealing other mythological traditions into Deadlino, pulling a little bit from Norse, from Greek, from all kinds of different stuff in here, even like different parts of Greek mythology and put it in there, which is what I really want to talk about. The first is the obviously paired, like the moon and the sun have always in a bunch of mythologies been paired together. It's in a bunch of Native American indigenous creation myths. It's obviously in the Greek uh, with, you know, we have the original sun and moon god gods who then retire and are taken over by the twins apollo and artemis but they always are really like interlinked in there and i think mythal and elgernon having this relationship but also mythal being the goddess of love you know draws from even aphrodite's origins and that like aphrodite is born of the sea she's born when Kronos chops up the sky and the, it falls in and it forms the sea foam and then aphrodite is born from the sea um, i think of the for roman the birth of venus painting which shows her coming out of the sea 
and everything like that. Like we're getting different thing, but I want to like, this is so what's interesting to me. There is a prominent theory among like astrophysicists or whoever are these space, the space scientists, whatever their official title is that the sun or the moon was once part of the earth and that it through in its formation or something like that, it was struck off and the moon was struck off and then caught into the earth's orbit, which is interesting because that's basically what happens here. Um, We see like stuff we know of science in here because the moon, the light of the moon is a reflection of the sun's light. Like that's how it works. The sun signs and the rock of the moon or whatever reflects that light back off the moon. And, but, and then there's the theory that the moon is also, was also once part of the earth and was knocked off by like a meteor or some kind of thing like that, which is really, I just think that's interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. And I, yeah, just, it is um, a very complex codex entry on the surface. It looks simplistic, um, but it, it has a lot of other implications, I think, for the lore than we probably even realize at this point. So uh, moving on a little bit to other ways that the Dalish see mythol. So first and foremost, or I guess second, um, the Dalish, they do see mythol very much as a calming presence to Elgernon um, and his basic state of constant rage. She is the only one who can calm him down and help him see reality. They also believe that Elgernon and Mithal are a romantic couple married with children. Their children, therefore, are most of the rest of the Evanuris, including Falandin, Durthamon, Andriel, Siles, and Junae. Um, though I guess we're not really sure because sometimes. Junae is depicted as Silas's husband. So we're not really sure if they have four or five children, but Dalish believe that they are, you know, husband and wife with children, etc. And I think it's important to note at this point in time, typically the Evanuris, they're paired off. Um, like Mithal and Elgernon are together. Falandin and Durthamon are the twins. Andriel has Gilanon. Silas and June have one another. Um and then there's Finn Harrell all alone. So just another fun thing to think about in your in your hours of the day. But what else do the Dalish believe and do in regards to Mithal? So they typically invoke her name when they believe that they need protection because she is their ultimate protector. But they also view her as their mother because of her motherly role and her actions of kindness while righting the wrongs of others. They view her that way. However, there are others who paint her as dark and vengeful because she dispenses justice. And then lastly, the Dalish believe that Mithal was exiled to the beyond with the other gods how that stacks up with her literally living in Thetis, I am not sure. Um, but that is one of the things that they do believe. I wonder when Finn Harrell seals the Ebenuris away, I wonder if there is like, for lack of a better word, sort of civil war among the the day or among the elves, the ancient elves, and you know, 
just did because of their sure number. And I'm sure that Finn Harrell rallied at them that the followers of Mythal are the ones who really kind of survive it, which is mm-hmm. why the Dalish have such an emphasis on Mythal. I mean, they talk about the other gods, but like they were, they say they worship all the Evanuris, but really like the one who is their person is Mythal. I do. I do. I agree and disagree with that because you're right that she is the one who's like worshiped the most above others. But at the same time, they stu- they do still venerate Siles, June, Andriel, who we'll get into in the next coming weeks. I think Elgernon is kind of the one exception because they fear him so much. Um, but when we when we look at other polytheistic religions in our world, I, I think that that holds a reflection because there are there are some gods just naturally that people gravitate to more like in hinduism for example and there are others who are still worshiped and venerated and have their patron days but who are not held as close to the heart just in general in terms of polytheistic religions and i only want to speak of like the ancient ones because i don't know enough about the ones that still exist today to make this claim about them but Typically, like especially in Roman and Greek mythology, different sects and cults rose up against like around a specific god. Like there were different cults that practiced and mainly worshipped that one god. They recognized and venerated the entire pantheon, but their main focus was the worship or sacrifice to one god. And so one of the things that made me think about this is that all of the Dalish clans that we interact with, granted, we don't really see Clan Lavelle and we just kind of read about them. But almost both the clan we see in Origins and the Hero of Ferelden's, if you're a Dalish Hero of Ferelden, your home clan, both of them have strong ties to Mythal and very focused on Mythal, which is to a nomadic and like sectioned off group like that, that's rare in our world to find like something that consistent across those types of groups. Yeah. And I think it is significant for sure. Um, I think another part of it is that I'm sure back in the days of the Dales that there were probably subsections who venerated, you know, like Siles and Andriel more um, than they venerated Mythal. However, a lot of the elven population has been lost due to oppression and genocide. Let's just put it frankly. So I, I think that's another factor here. But again, we just we just don't know. Mm-hmm. So that's about all I have in regards to Dalish folklore on Mythal. However, we do have to talk about Flemeth and the ending of Inquisition. So when it comes to Flemeth, what we know is that Mythal basically possesses Flemeth and Flemeth becomes an avatar of Mythal. That's how she has so much more power, or at least one of the ways that she has more power than other mages in Thetis. Um, and like we've already mentioned, there probably were other avatars of Mythal um, that we just don't have the information about as of yet. So um, what happens when the Avenuris, what happens to Flemeth when the Avenuris kill Mythal? I guess she probably wasn't again it's hard because we don't know the timeline here we don't know if Mythal gathered these avatars 
um, before the Evanuris tried to kill her, if she did it in a kind of like preventative measure, like I feel like they're going to kill me. Let me take some steps to to pre- preserve my legacy and let me be alive, you know, after they kill me. We don't really know what the timeline is. So anyway, um, regardless of what happens, when the Evanuris tried to kill Mithal, she's not really dead. Um, she was teetering on the edge of death and was reduced to a wisp, essentially. This is when she appears to Flemeth specifically um, in her time of need. And so Flemeth agrees to Mithal's idea, which is that their essences would be merged and Mithal would possess Flemeth, however you want to kind of phrase it there. But that's what happens. And so Flemeth now claims that she seeks justice for what was done to Mithal. So we don't really know how long Mithal and Flemeth have been one in the same. We definitely don't know if there were others prior to uh, Flemeth. Uh, to me, it seems likely just because Mithal is the one that has this plan. Mithal has it all fully articulated. And Flemeth is the one that's just like, yeah, okay. Um, but yes, there's a lot of things we don't know, unfortunately. Go ahead. Now that we're really we're really talking about this in a moment, it sounds like a horcrux. Yeah, I mean, but a horcrux is typically an object. Right, typically. We know it can be a person. But uh, it's just interesting to me because it is like a possession and like a wisp spirit. Um, But it's really like this possession of of Mythal on Plymouth is really the only time that we see like proof of someone who has been killed or defeated existing in like a spirit form. Now we can argue about divine Justinia, but the jury's out about was that actually divine Justinia or was it a spirit assuming her form and like absorbing her memory, you know, just inquisition really just dumps a huge slew of questions in our laps and says, have fun. I know they, there's so few things they actually answer, but I'm kind of convinced that like Taylor Swift, there are a lot of Easter eggs um, in Inquisition that we just haven't picked up on. I mean, I know it's mm-hmm. been 10 years, so I think a lot of them we probably have. But anyway, so we still have to talk about the ending of Inquisition. What happens? You might be wondering. So Solus has captured the essence of Flemeth and Mythal, since Mythal captured the essence of Flemeth, right? So I guess the big question is, are they dead now? Well, it is a bit unclear. Uh, we know that he has definitely absorbed her power, but there is a very interesting and very, very minor piece of ambient dialogue that suggests that Mythal is not quite gone. According to ambient dialogue in Val Royale, that you can encounter, I think it's after the completion of the main story. An elven servant has been experiencing dreams of Mithal. They say, a woman comes to me in my dreams and she whispers things. She says her name is Mithal, but, and then they taper off and say, I'll be quiet. I promise. And that's all we get. I know we talked about it. It's Fen Harrell, the only one who appears in dreams to the dalish 
I don't think so. I think they all have the ability to do that, but I'm not 100% certain, so I may be wrong. Okay. So uh, let's just talk about this ending scene in Inquisition, because there's a point in there. Right before Solus Fenharel appears with Flemethal, she's seen putting something into the um, Alluvion. You familiar with what I'm talking about? Like, she... There seems yes. like something is leaving her in the Alluvion. Now, like, is Mythal at this point where she's like Palpatine and just has a bunch of contingency plans going on and, you know, just has a bunch of backup plans? Or because I'm more concerned about not that Solus has the essence of Mythal and Flemeth, I'm a little more concerned that Solus might have the essence of an old god depending on your choices. That is entirely fair. And what he's referring to for listeners who are like, how is because of Kieran and uh, Morrigan's child with Alistair Loghain or the hero of Ferelden. So um, yeah, fair, fair question. In my interpretation of the scene, it seems that Flemeth Mithal, Flemeth get kind of gives up, like is willingly sacrificing that form to be taken by Finn Harrell. So perhaps this is the form of maybe there's a willing thing of the form of possession that we've been talking about with Flemeth so much. Um, because Flemeth tells Morgan in Inquisition that she could never possess her because it has to be done willingly. Yeah, again, um, entirely possible, not for sure, but is um, an interesting theory interesting conversation to have so that's about all i have on methal um we could spend literal days theory crafting talking about different fan theories about methal because there truly are so many um but like i said last week we are not trying to get into a ton of fan theories this time around so we're just keeping it to the basic lore, what we really truly do know. So unless you have anything else to talk about, Austin, we can um, move on to our side character. Let's go to our side character, who I assume is an elf. Okay. Yes, they are an elf for sure. Okay. So today's side character is Adaya, who is... A um, very interesting character. You may not know of her if you haven't played City Elf Origin or Liliana's Song DLC. So, um, like I talked about last week, I really want all of the side characters to really exhibit the traits of whatever Elven God we're talking about that day. So, for today, I wanted to continue our theme of, you know, motherly, loving yet fierce um characters to talk about that went along with Mithal. And so I chose to talk about Adaya from Dragon Age Origins. Now, you you like I said, you may not know have any clue who she is, but she is a major player in the Liliana's Song DLC expansion and she is briefly mentioned in the City Elf Origin, though she does not appear um make an appearance in any way because she's dead by that point in time. So she is the mother to the city elf origin. And in addition, she is one of the only, if not, if not the only um, black elf that we have ever truly seen depicted so far in Dragon Age. Um, 
she does have uh it she looks a little iffy in origins graphics but it's pretty clearly she is a black woman um and so she's one of the only black elves we've ever seen i think that's pretty notable i know that um in some of the books some of the elves depicted in the books are supposed to be um people of color and then in the games have been portrayed more as a white person um but this she adaya is very clearly a woman of color so what do we know about her unfortunately we don't know a ton however um we do know some things so i'll tell you all about it we know that she was some kind of rogue we know that she was a mercenary and we know that she had kind of like shady dealings in that realm of the world um and we know this because number one she teaches the city elf how to fight number two she is encountered in the arl of denerum's dungeons imprisoned during liliana's song dlc um now you can completely miss her walk right by it not even look at the room but if you do go in and meet her, when when Adaya meets Liliana, Liliana then has the opportunity to free her. In response, if you free her, Liliana is told by Adaya that she is, quote, a wonderful light in this dark place. And then she promises to teach her child, the city elf hero of Ferelden, that humans can be good. And she uses Liliana as an example, which I think is really sweet. Um, by 9.30 Dragon, which is, you know, when uh, Origins takes place, Adaya has been dead for a few years. She was living in Denerim with her husband, who's named Sirian, and her child, or their child, the city elf hero of Ferelden. But before she died, she definitely trained the hero of Ferelden as a rogue or a warrior. And many people will say if you play the origin that oh she was a troublemaker and she was beautiful and full of life a bit wild quote um and we do also know that she did die at the hands of humans but we don't know the specifics of how in the origin um the hero of ferelden's appearance tends to be contrasted or compared depending on how you build your character with adias um, and then if you question Duncan, he does reveal that he was he tried to recruit Adaya into the Grey Wardens, but he was convinced by Valendrian that it would be better for her to remain with her family. So um, Duncan does try to recruit her. And when that fails, he tries to recruit her daughter, which does not fail, probably, depending on your choices. Um and then the last thing that I want to say about Adaya is that her dagger, Fang is the name, can be gifted to the city elf hero of Ferelden by Sirian, depending on the choices that you make in the um, origin storyline and the unrest in the alienage quest. So we don't know a ton about Adaya, but I do like her and want to know more about her. We probably never will know more about her, but that's just a little bit of a snippet into her life. Yeah. Um, well, I have a couple questions and you might not know, and I understand like the things, but does Liliana ever make, comment to this at all if you play a city elf origin um you know that's a good question i don't think she does i don't know i don't remember it um mm -hmm. because 
it doesn't it's not something that sticks out to me but i think that liliana is very very young um like very young in the dlc so i don't know she may not know liliana may not know Mm -hmm. if the city elf warden says like oh my mom adaya died when da 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 maybe but it's it's such a brief moment we we don't I, I don't know. Who knows? Hmm. I just think, one, there are two things. One, it's glad you told me, because I have not played Liliana's song, so I don't know. It's glad you told me that she was really young, because I was about to be like, okay, if I'm a city elf, I'm never romancing Liliana, because this seems weird. Uh, you were Why? friends with my mom. Because you were friends oh. with her mom. I mean, you weren't really friends with her mom. You just right. rescued her mom. Right. Um, I, it's fine. But also, I also think it could be like a kind of almost cute moment between of that of like learning and like the city elf learning like, oh, you're who my mom told me about. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, could be a really sweet moment between the hero of Ferelden, city elf and then Liliana. You know, it is really funny that we're told from the beginning of the game that men and women are equal in Thetis, and then we get all of these references to really, really awesome, badass women warriors, of uh, such as the Kuzlin mother and now the city elf mother as well. And then everyone in the rest of the game is like, you're a woman who can fight? <gasps> no! Yeah, I know. Um, it's just craziness because we have, we have so many, you're right. We have so many examples of like female fighters and not only female fighters, but just like the whole societal system is based on female leadership. Like why do we have in-game sexism? Exactly. I mean, Logan's like chief lieutenant is a woman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just, uh, Okay. We got to get off this topic because, again, I could rant for days. Mm -hmm. But that's all I have for uh, Mithal and Adaya, the episode. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, thank you. Um, I really like Adaya. Uh, again, you know, we get so few examples of good parents in Dragon Age. It's just really nice to read about one. You know, right? Also, I see what you did with your little planning thing of last week when we talked about Elgernon, we talked about uh, Shiani. Well, I think part of it is that like so many of these characters who come from the the origin of the city elf, they're connected. Um, mm -hmm. So and, you know, it's just it's relevant. Yeah. All right. Well, if that's all you got, I don't have any more questions or thoughts. And so we can wrap it up. Thank you so much for doing the research and bringing all of this. Thank you all for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast. Thank you to our Nug King patron, Lewis H. And we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast. You can find us on Twitter at DA Lorecast. If you have any lore questions, topics to unpack, or side character suggestions, join our Cups Podcasting and More Discord server. It's easily the best place on the internet. You can also support us financially through our Patreon. 
You can find us there on patreon.com slash dragonagelorecast. The Dragon Age Lorecast is part of the Robots Radio Network. For more information about the Robots Radio Network, join the Discord server via the link in our episode description. If you enjoyed the show or learned something new today, please subscribe, leave us a review, and join the Patreon. And if you enjoyed our intro and outro music, give a big thank you to Pipe Man Studios. Thank you, Pipe Man. Thanks again for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast. We'll see you next time. Are you a fan of Elden Ring? Are you confused about the lore as pretty much everyone else? We've got you covered. Check out the Elden Archives, a lore podcast that helps to explain every little confusing detail about the lands between. Things like what exactly happened on the Night of the Black Knives, or what we really know about characters like Nicola. Just like the show you're listening to now, we're on the Robots Radio Network, so you know it'll be good. Wondering how to find the show? Easy. Either go to robotsradio.net or search Elden Archives on whatever podcatcher you're using right now. Bookmark the show for later, and we'll see you in the lands between. Again, that's The Elden Archives, a FromSoft Lorecast, available everywhere.